is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Hour number two here in the locker room. We are on location at Hyde Park Prime Steakhouse. It's the Steelers Radio Network annual lunch down here. We've got the whole crew, the whole gang's here. Max, Wolf, well, I mean, Max is here in spirit, not in, not in presence. Right, but, right. Know, we're, we're, doing, we're doing the best we can. we got Jacob down here, Zach, back in the studio producing it. Um, and a, I should say, because I think he might be listening right now, apologies to our buddy Jim Wexel. We had some schedule confusion. This is normally the time when uh, when, when Well, we're going to try to get him on us, tomorrow. We'll, 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 yes. get, we'll get him on this week, certainly. But, uh, but, but, fellas, plenty to get to here still, certainly. A lot of, a lot of conversation uh, about the defense there and, and Alex Highsmith and uh, going, going uh, forward here now and what feels like a, a unit that's getting healthier at the right time. I wanted to ask you guys about this as well, too. And, and Max, I'll start with you here. Um, there was a lot of talk, or maybe not a lot of talk, but there was a few questions yesterday for, for Mike Tomlin at his, of course, weekly Tuesday press conference uh, about a running back by committee approach. And, you know, getting Jalen Warren more involved as we continue to see him grow. And, and Najee Harris having that, um, you know, first kind of performance of the season where he's really looking more like himself. Didn't, you know, finally get that 100-yard mark, but just a yard short with, with 99 yards on the ground. And, of course, the big 36-yarder on Sunday. Max, is it fair to call this a running back by committee approach? Is is that something that, you know, that, that you can really see the team embracing or is it it's still going to be the majority of, of, of seeing Najee get, you know, the, the lion's share of the carries, if you will, as long as he's running like he was on Sunday? I, th- I think it's safe to say that, you know, this the, the running game still goes through Najee. Um, but I think that you're starting to see a shift where it's okay to have a second back who's also getting double-digit touches, right? I think – you know, we look at what Dallas is doing, right, with Tony Pollard and Zeke Elliott. Um, I think even more so, you know, with San Francisco, right, bringing in Christian McCaffrey and having him kind of tote the load with Elijah Mitchell. Um, there, there, there's certain instances where you could see that quote-unquote committee, but yet there's still a lead back. And I think that's kind of more of the process. You know, everybody, you know that phrase, running back by committee, you know, I like I just like to call it the one-two punch. You know what I'm saying? Like you have two guys who run and can do things at a very high level, and they just take turns. I mean, essentially, it's it's how you it's how you get through a season healthy. I think we've now understood that the running back position requires so much physicality that to get a guy to go from week one to week 18 in and of itself is a feat. And then think about if you are a playoff caliber team, now to go those additional games, I mean, that, that's a large load for one guy to really shoulder. So I think having that change-up relief type guy is important for any team. You, you want to have at least two, maybe three running backs in, in a healthy stable, then you got to keep them running. And, and I think they all play off of each other. So, I mean, to use the definition of running back by committee, yes, I think they're embracing it. Because I think both of them bring a different energy um, to the game, but both of them highly effective now, as we saw together, with both of them warming up to that idea. There's no doubt in my mind that the running game still goes through Najee, and if anything, Najee demonstrated why 
just this past week. But I also look at the fact that I don't have a problem with beating a hot hand. You know, I mean, you understand that some guys, the ebb and flow throughout a game uh, is such that uh, sometimes one guy starts to dominate or take over. Now, for the most part, I think Najee is the guy because of his physical characteristics. That man's got serious pedigree. I was just watching uh, yesterday, last night, he picked up a blitz on Caden Ellis. I, I missed it during the game. He bent him over backwards. I mean, brutally. It was beautiful. It was a thing of beauty. If you're an offensive lineman, you're like an actual, uh, you're jealous of that of the hit Najee put on Caden Ellis. Stood him up, then wrestled him and sh- just slammed him to his back. And that's a beautiful thing. And those are the, the things that Najee is so capable of doing besides running the ball is being strong in, in pass pickup, which also Jalen Warren has shown himself to be very, very active and able to do. But I also think there's got to be a little more exploratory with Najee getting some of the passes going again because at 112 yards in receptions thus far, he's capable of more. Yeah, and he almost had a, a, a nice snag in the end zone, didn't he, Max, that went right off his hands? Yeah. Oh, I know. Man. That's just right off the tips of the fingertips, man. I was like, ah, so close. But I get, hey, listen, when you when you hear the honey badger footsteps, I, I don't blame you for turning <laughs> that down. I don't blame you for turning that down. Now, the only <laughs> thing is, uh, Nodge has got a little bit of a knee doink, uh, from what we understand from, the, uh, from Mike Tomlin's press conference yesterday. He doesn't think it's going to be too detrimental. I think it might limit him to a degree uh, earlier in the week. But uh, certainly it's good to know that you got Jalen Warren standing by, and if, as Najee improves and, and throughout the week it, it's a good thing, hey, then you go full go. But at least, at the very least, we have a, qual- a quantity and qualified type of back that we know can handle in the interim should Najee run into problems. Yeah, No, I, absolutely. And, and I'm hoping that, you know, if it is something where it can be managed – that's why we have the second guy. That's why you have Jalen Warren, right, guys? That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. Just, just in case. Just in case. And if you need to, you know, shift the tilt a little bit to get him through, then that's fine. But I think that's also the purpose, why we do this and why it is important. I think now people are realizing the importance that, yes, it's good to have the Jonathan Taylors of the world. It's great to have, you know, the, the Derrick Henrys. But what's that backup act? And I think you have yeah. to. I think running backs have to be more open to that because I think when we're talking about the short long the short life of a running back and why that market's so depressed and why Let's you don't draft them in the span. first round. Let's okay, say career, career span. span. <laughs> okay, career span. Yeah, if if I'm one of those backs, I'm like going, hey, 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 hey. What do you mean the short lifespan? What's that? Yeah. Okay. Short playing lifespan. <laughs> Your, your your ability to contribute on the football field. Span. There you go. How man. about that? Okay, there we go. Um, but that that's something that I think if you start to get more of that two-back approach, now guys get to those second contracts. Now guys have a bigger influence and a longer career, right? The Adrian Petersons and Emmett Smiths aren't aberrations. It's more like, okay, this is what we're getting to, um, where you have to have multiple guys, just like for offensive linemen, right? I mean – You've got to have other guys who can come in for injuries, but guys who also show their value, and you're able to stave them off and save them. I think any team that has that type of depth or needs that type of depth, you have you have to be open to that. And I think for Najee, being open to the premise that you don't have to touch the ball 381 times, that <laughs> yeah. it, and you could be more effective maybe with 220, 250 touches, 
that is something you can get to and give the other 100-plus touches to another guy and let them kind of shoulder that load because think about this. Do you want to do short yardage fourth and ones every single time? And it's not for a touchdown. I mean, come on. <laughs> you know, right. relinquish it just for – that's why we got Derek Watt, guys. All right? Yep. You know, and I think Najee was cool with that. Like, I'm at 99 yards. We're about to go run a dive play for one yard. I could be at 100, or Derek Watt could take that hit, and I could stay healthy by the end of the game because I have a knee doink. I think that's where we start to look at, you know, kind of balancing that, and especially with the age of analytics and all kinds of analyses about, you know, resting and sleep cycles and hyperbaric chambers and all this stuff. You know, just be willing to dive into some of the research, allow it to help you. Figure out what, 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 what's applicable to you and what you can tolerate and let it happen. And you know what, too, Max, as, as you lay that out, I'm just kind of thinking historically with the franchise, hasn't that been when the run game for the Steelers has been at its best? That's exactly what it's looked like? Yeah. Everyone knew Franco was the guy, right? But you still had Rocky yeah. Blyer. Everybody knew that Lev Bell was the guy, but you still had a really good uh, number two option in D'Angelo Williams. Uh, you know, when, when Jerome Bettis and Willie Parker, when there was that time where, you know, where Jerome was still the guy and then you had Willie and then Willie kind of overtook Jerome as he, as he grew into it. I think you're absolutely right. I think that is the blueprint, and it's you know it's it's one again. The proof is in the pudding, certainly for for the Steelers. A- absolutely, absolutely, and I think and and just for team health, you've got to have those guys. That's why we're always talking about when we guys get next man up, right? You want to make sure that next man up is, is is a formidable choice as well, and you want to groom him so that you're not throwing him in like oh injury time. Now we get to see this guy. It's like no. You're going you're gonna to see a, a healthy dose and sprinkling of all of them um, at some point. So I, I like that approach. I think, it, I think it's good for the game, especially good for our team, more importantly, that we have those guys because then there's not as big a drop-off between the two when you have two really good backs, and they've also gotten a feel. You don't want that guy coming in because Najee's injured, right? <laughs> and the only way he's getting these reps is because Najee's injured. No. He's there to prevent Najee from getting injured. Right. That's the mindset that I hope that they all take. And here's the thing that about it to me is the Steelers now have the opportunity to think about it. Last two weeks they've rushed for 361 yards. Huge. I haven't done that in, I don't know, almost a decade, right? So you got 361 yards of rushing. Something's going on. It's cooking up front. These guys are starting to understand each other's blocking radius, uh, blocking radius on their zone tracks that they get on. And one of the things I noticed when you're watching the double teams, and Mike Tomlin pointed out the other day, oh, is the fact that the double teams are not only getting movement, but they're moving with a, a, a unison of two guys. And, Max, you know how hard that is because one of yours is eventually going to probably come off. You're most likely going to pick up a run-through backer or the tracking, with especially with the angle and slant-type defensive line, such as the Saints had, you know, you know, you might get a piece of the guy, but he's to the next guy over on you when you when you are doing your your zone track, right? You're on that track. So mm-hmm. it's to me in my mind, they're getting better at it. Watching them as a as a, especially if you go slow mo, you start to see how they're reacting better as two guys as one, and one guy if one guy's got to leave, the other guy is able to pick up what he's got to do with the one guy left behind. You know, you've got to get your body in position to be able to continue blocking the guy if you get one guy leaving. <laughs> you know what I mean? One guy yeah. leaving. You, all of a sudden you can feel when that guy leaves, and you've got to, like, be in position to be able to absorb 
the power that's going to come back at you when one guy drops off. And so that's one of the things I think they've really evolved and gotten better at and have been able to communicate to each other. Uh, you know, the, the little intricacies, the nuances of the three inner guys and the, the guard and tackle double teams. Well, yeah, it, it's the it's the you-me calls, right? <laughs> you know, yep. it's like yeah. and both Ooh. of you are both on the same – uh, the both on the same track, looking at the same secondary um, defender that you must pick up, and it's that overtake, right? The guy who who is not the you or me, um, the opposite of that, which would be the me you. Yes. All right. I'm about and to here's the thing. Anyways, yeah. That, and remember, that's, so yeah. Yeah. Remember this. We saw earlier in the year too. Both guys might leave. You know, you got one yeah. guy. You're double teaming, and then all of a sudden, the me you is. Uh, they're both going, no, me, no, you. And then they're, <laughs> the guy's all by himself as the two offensive linemen leave. You can't have the, two me's. You can't yeah, have you, two me's or you. two you's. You can't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. You can't have two of each. All right. Yeah. So, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, yeah, it, it's it, it's understanding, but that's the feel, right? That's what it takes in offensive line play. That's why it takes so much longer, right, to get yes. a feel for what that other guy's thinking. And and you can feel little things, right? Like if you feel him like nudging and you feel a hip bump from him, it's like, yep. hey, I'm overtaking, so you go up to the next level. Yes. Or if you feel a guy kind of disengaging or spinning in the opposite direction, it's like, no, no, you got to go off. And you don't have to say it or look at each other and tell each other what's happening. It's a feel thing, right? It's a shoulder bump. And, you know, it's all those little nuances that you work on, but but it's only developed over time. Time is the biggest factor that makes those ingredients work together, right? Yes. And that's what and that's what you're now starting to see now as we get now into 11 weeks into the season and the 10th week, of course, being something that we, we saw a positive feedback on that. And it's only going to get continue to get stronger as the guys play together more. There's no question about it. And that's one of the things that I, I really love about what we've seen with this running game developing because I remember a situation I was blocking with – uh, Mike Webster, I believe we're playing the Colts, right? We got the Indy Colts, and we're double teaming on the nose tackle. And then all of a sudden, um, uh, Webby went backside on a a gap penetrator from the you know a three four. So he comes off, and I was already leaving for that guy, and it was like I had to stop and turn around and tackle the nose tackle because it would have been you know a dead quarterback or a dead running back. You know, you both leave him. I remember Chuck said to me, he goes, what? What happened? Why'd you do that? And I go, well, I didn't want to have a dead quarterback. And you, you know, watch the film. And you can see those are instances that they're learning blocks, just as it was earlier for this offensive line, where two guys are two me's or two you's, like you're talking about. But yeah. it's about learning to play together and making sure that everybody's got a hat on a hat. It's a simple term. Everybody talks about it, hat on a hat, but it's not as easy as it sounds. No, it, it is not, and that's why. You know, offensive line versus any other position group on the field is so such a slower collaboration. It's such a slower melding process, right? You know, you have to be able to get all these different personalities to think as one. Yes. And we all know how hard that is, right? I mean, yes. you know, just think about going into work and asking five different employees, hey, we're going to do this all together. I need you guys to think about doing this. And you should be able to th know what I'm thinking, and I should be able to th know what you're thinking, and we get it done. How long would that take for everybody to get on the same page without a bunch of emails, 
uh, a bunch of <laughs> needless, inefficient methods. Hey, what do you think about this? Every five minutes, ask it. That's essentially what you're doing, right? It's, it's that group project type of effect. And the more times you do the group project together, the better you're going to be and the more efficient when everybody knows what their clear role is and they don't have to do more than what their job is, right? You know, it's, it's going back to the 111th rule. It's everybody do your 111th and trust that the other four of, of the five 11ths that are out there working together, you know, are all going to eventually turn into one piece of the pie. And that's what, that's what we're working on and that's what we're starting to see. That indeed we are. Hopefully it continues Sunday, 425, against those Bengals right across the way here at Akershire Stadium. We are at Hyde Park Prime Steakhouse right next door to PNC Park in between where the Pirates and the Steelers play. It's our Steelers Radio Network lunch. we got some uh, some people rolling in here. We've got some food that's going to be rolling out soon. Uh, Wolf and I will make sure that we'll narrate that for everybody and certainly for Max as well, too, before he jets off to his fancy Cajun lunch out there <laughs> in Arizona. we yeah, got plenty to exactly. get to here uh, in, in hour number two. Jerry Dulac going to join us at some point as well, too. You're in the locker room on SNR and ESPN Pittsburgh. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. To the goal line, touchdown Pittsburgh! Kenny Pickett, his second of the game, second of his career, and the Steelers open up a little breathing room. Billy Hillgrove there on the call of the Kenny Pickett touchdown run. It's Wesley Euler, Craig Wolfley, Max Starks with you here in the locker room live at Hyde Park for our Steelers radio network uh, lunch, annual lunch down here. We're excited. we got about another half an hour to go until we get to lunchtime. Jerry Dulac going to join us here at some point. Gentlemen, Mike Tomlin yesterday at his Tuesday press conference saying, and I quote, Kenny Pickett's growth has been really impressive in all areas. Wolf, where have you seen him with your, your keen eye up there in the broadcast booth uh, grow over these last few weeks? Well, I think there's a number of areas that we've experienced growth. Look, I understand six sacks, hey, that's rough. Well, if you take a look at the 135 trap pass, my day and time, that's what they would have called it. You know, those are things where Kenny's got to make sure you're aware of where the blitz is coming from and have your, your quick release, your hot read, or your back has got to be able to pick that up when Chris Harris sacked him. There was, there was a couple times he looked a little hesitant in the pocket, but these are part and parcel of the cost of doing business as a young man, where I've seen him actually, I think, growing higher. Hey, you got that single high, let it fly, boom, he did. 36-yarder off to Deontay Johnson. I, I take a look at the way he ran the ball prudently, I would say, as Mike Tomlin says. You know, eight times 51 yards. Those are all wonderful things to add to the offense. And then the other thing, too, was the way he threw the ball away rather than force something, uh, make an at-risk throw. And I, I really appreciated that. I thought it was excellent. And here's the thing. When you got a 70.3 QBR after the first half and you're determined you go back in halftime, you get yourself settled down, you come back out, and you nail a 96. It shows me you have that ability to rally, to get stronger in the moment rather than finding yourself being defeated and find yourself kind of curling up. He doesn't curl up. He doesn't shy away from the pressure. He doesn't shy away from the fight. He comes back, and he does the job, and I think those are things that are hallmarkers for success in the future. 
And, of course, Max, I would like your take on it. Jerry Dulac just joins us right now. We're so, he's, uh-huh. By the way, you should see the cool breeze. He's dressed to the nines as always. As always. Oh, I, I, I doubt it not. I doubt it not, Wolf. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think when you look at where Kenny Pickett is and where he's come from, we knew in training camp that he had the largest learning curve to overcome. Right. Right, because he was coming to a situation where zero NFL experience, zero team experience, right? Zero zero anything that resembles National Football League play, and you bring in a touted free agent, um, one who's d- been there, done that, right? Has a winning record, has been to the playoffs. This is now his third stop. He's seen a lot. And then you have another one, homegrown within the Steelers system in Mason Rudolph, and he has to overcome kind of all of that to get to a level where he can compete with them. Now you get thrust into a game, second half of a game, where you haven't really taken the reps, you don't really have a rapport, and you're learning on the job, right? It's on-the-job training except for there are literally half the people on the field that, 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 that don't like you and want to make sure that you fail at your job. And then you have about 10 other people on the field that are there that don't really know you. They know that, you know, they know you, but they don't know you as a football player in a football competitive environment that much. And you're learning each other's idiosyncrasies. And to now get to this point, I think has been a great process, a great maturation for him to where he's now starting to understand himself and understand how to play within himself and what that looks like in the construct of what everybody else can do as well. And now becoming more of that one eleventh who can now help other 111s as a, and realizing that aspect of it as opposed to just kind of surviving from day to day um, when he gets out there on the field. Exactly so. Jerry, what do you see in, you, in the time that you've uh, spent thinking about Kenny? Where is he specifically? Anything that jumps out at you, and where can he improve? Well, Wolf and uh, Max, good morning. Uh, good morning to always you, Always good, good being a day earlier than uh, usual. Well, I, I think – what I see him do well is he he can, when he does make quick decisions, uh, he is very accurate and very decisive where he wants to go. And that, to me, when he's running that quick RPO is the best thing that I have seen him do. Now, the other day, uh, you know, I'm not going to sit there and say he was wildly inaccurate in the first half, but he was missing some throws. Right, he was. And you can see I thought he had, you know, a little happy feet there. He's just unsure of what he was looking at. But I thought in the second half he calmed down a little bit. And uh, I think the greatest quality we have seen is he is a cool, calm, poised guy. Um, and, and um, you know, he, but he's learning every game. And, and so he, hold, he does hold the ball a little too long for the NFL. Um, and, and, you know, to, to some degree you'd sit there and say, okay, you know, you're giving your wide receivers a chance to get open. Well, sometimes that results in sacks. Right. Um, but I, I don't think there's any question Kenny Pickett will be a good quarterback in the NFL. Um, I don't think anything that will happen this year will harm his confidence, even if they decided to go backward. I, I don't want to say go backward. Go back to Mitch Trubisky for any reason. Uh, I don't think that will harm Kenny's confidence. I believe that, you know, he understands. He's a rookie. He's learning. And next year, we, it'll be light years of where he is this year. Right. And he's going to make mistakes, and they are going to live with them, and they know that. 
and there's really no way around. He's just not going to magically be able to read defenses. He's not going to magically understand the, the 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 depth of the playbook. He's not going to magically be able to audible and 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 you know change protections now as easily as he will next year or year three. And so I think that's understood. Well, to me and Max, I want you to chime in on this. It's the cost of doing business with a young man. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's, that's what it is. And what would you say, Max? Yeah, no, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's the tax you pay, right? Yeah. <laughs> it, right. You know, it, it's, it's what you have to go through, these growing pains. And I think Wes did a great job earlier in the show detailing. The Steelers are turning a massive page in, in, in the book that is the Steelers' history right. and starting a brand-new chapter. You know, not only having a quarterback of 18 years retire, not only having your GM guy, head honcho of two decades, retiring. And then, of course, I, I threw in also name change for the stadium, uh, you know, going as well. A lot of things happened this year. And then that's even before we get to the injuries, before we get to the adjustment of that, uh, of that happening in real time after you finally get over the hump that you're trying to find the right quarterback to lead this team for this year and potentially in the future. Um, so for them to get to this point and, you know, and make that decision that they made, that's exactly what it's about. The, 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 so once you made that decision, you, you accepted the toll that it was going to take on this season. And you have to be okay with that process, and I think they are. I, Max, I think the people, the fans – got a little deluded into thinking, oh, it's not going to be so bad once we move on from Ben Roethlisberger. Um, you know, people thought, oh, he shouldn't have he stayed another year too long last year, which, of course, was complete nonsense. And I think they're they're seeing uh, what the transition <laughs> is like. Exactly. And, yeah. and, you know, there's no question, uh, you know, would they be sitting here with just three wins if Ben Roethlisberger were there? No. There's a couple games there. They, I don't want to say would have easily won, but they would have won. And they don't have that fourth quarter in them like they do with Ben. We saw it last year. Struggle for three quarters, and then Ben finally say, you know what, heck on this. We're going to do it this way and come out and win seven of the nine games in the fourth quarter or overtime. And so there is no doubt, and several people in the locker room have told me, basically since the start, um, you know, there, you can see the difference when there's no Ben and I don't think the people fully understood it. I don't know how much they understand it now, but if they don't see it, then they're, they're being blind to the fact of what, of what they've watched for 18 years and just grew accustomed to. And I don't want to say didn't appreciate it because they did, but they didn't fully appreciate even what they had the last two seasons. Exactly. Go ahead, yeah, it's, funny how, it's, it's funny how you don't appreciate something until it's gone, right? Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. You really, I want to see that other lawn. Just to see if their grass is greener. Nope, same green. Actually, yeah. a little bit brown. I didn't see the brown speckles mixed in there. Are you fertilizing? That's <laughs> yeah, you know. because you're in, you're in Arizona, Max. It's green grass here. You get that shade of hue of brown there yes. in Arizona. It's desert. Well, right. It's called it's, desert. I was about to say, it's, it's called desert and rocks, and I, I don't really see. But it is green now because it's not 112 degrees out. Right, right. So things can actually grow this time of year. <laughs> exactly so. Now, we're one of the areas that I look for Kenny to really improve on is you, you go back to the red zone passing. We're talking about high red zone. We're talking about, you know, the timing pass with uh, with Pat Fryermuth in the corner. Didn't get get the ball where he wanted with Deontay Johnson going down and towards the, the back end of the end zone. Those things are going to happen. They're gonna, it's going to come around, 
But I think that's one of the areas that he can specifically work on. Yeah, I agree. That is going to be better. It's not, yeah, you know, it's not it's, been very good. It's, right. It hasn't been good. But all the other things that we've watched this young man do, I mean, think about it. He's He converted, what, 10, 10 of uh, third and fourth down uh, uh, conversions in this last game? Got a, got a time of possession of nearly 40 minutes? I mean, we're begging for that stuff early on. I mean, that, you, you really, as an offense, you're saying, please stay out there. You, you listen to the defensive guys. They're going, oh, I love it. We're sitting out there and, we're, you know, we're having popsicles and Gatorade on the sidelines, you know, able to enjoy and relax and just, you know, keep your energy levels up because you got the young buck out there turning the offense and, into high gear and, and moving down the field, matriculating, matriculating I should say. Yes, right. and, it was more of matriculating. And, Wolf, if we see going forward what we have seen the last two games from the running game, 361 yes. yards. You know, I went back and looked. It's the highest two-game total in eight years for the Steelers, which seems strange, but it is. And if they can continue to do that, that is only going to help Kenny Pickett. The only thing I will say, though, is despite their success running the ball the other day in a game where they weren't trailing by a lot of uh, points, he threw it. He had 30 attempts. Uh, he had six sacks, so that's 36 dropbacks. And he ran on six of the eight of his runs were scrambles. So that's 42 attempted passes. That is still too many for Kenny Pickett. It's right in line with his average of 44 in games where he starts and finishes. And 16 of the first 24 plays the other day were dropbacks. Now, they weren't all attempts because there were some sacks and some runs. But 16 of the first 24 were dropbacks. And I'm not going to sit here and say I'd like to see him run the ball a bit more early, but I think to establish that um, that tempo and and that type of play calling early will only help him early. And we, again, we saw him struggle uh, in the first half. Uh, you know, again, looking a little. And one uncertain. of the areas that I really liked he did was he threw the ball away. Yeah, yeah you know, which was the good thing. That's and the he good was, thing. He was determined to do it. And I said the curious and, and ironic part about all that is that's what Mitch Trubisky did early in the season, and everybody criticized him for throwing the ball away and not trying to make plays. Right. Kenny Pickett did a smart thing. I think I counted four or five out-of-bounds throws, yes. and that was a smart play after all the picks we've seen. I was actually uh, – I almost got hit on one of those, by the way. Uh, <laughs> did do you ever try uh, to catch it, Max? Because I never did. My 20 years, no, I just – well, Oh, is that right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I just ducked. Yeah. I, you know what? Get out of the way. Right. Well, I I had to deflect one because literally this one young lady was walking on the sidelines oh, and she did not gotcha. see it, and the ball was like a perfect spiral. Right. And I was like, I was like, oh, my God. So I just put my hand out to kind of deflect it so at right. least it would – and my Good hand move. was numb for like five minutes. But, but hey, <laughs> it saved that young lady from getting yes. hit. Yeah, well, good for you. Yeah, no, he, good velocity. She's getting, she's getting hit with a tight spiral. Uh, that's going to hurt. Oh, that's going to leave a mark. Yeah, yeah that's it, for sure. It, it is. Um, Jerry, now, nah, we, we want to thank you for dropping in. We're going we're gonna to go to break here. I just want to point out, Jerry is brought to us by Chupka's 2 Cafe, located in the historic South Side, where you can catch all football and hockey action on their 17 big screen TVs and also enjoy $3 Coors Lights drafts. That's right. Tap the Rockies there at Chupka's 2 Cafe. Thank you, Jerry, for joining us on this segment. Uh, a day early, mind you, but always welcome when the cool breeze does <laughs> blast on by. Max, always that. enjoy, enjoy, enjoy with your boys. And I'll see you. I'm looking at Wolf now, but I'll see you at the ball yard on Sunday. Yeah, but Absolutely. I'm going to try to. 
Max, can I have your plate of, of steak? You know, by the way, while we're here. You, you know, know what, Wolf? Yes. You know what? Yes, please Thank do. You. I would hate for it to go to waste, even though I know I'm not on the head count. Uh, <laughs> go ahead. Good job. All right. All we'll be right. back with more. Tell them, Max. Finish it out. Well, that's right. Uh, here, here in the locker room. Well, the locker room's now Hyde Park uh, Steakhouse. Uh, but, uh, uh, but we are still on ESPN and SNR Radio. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Final segment here at Hyde Park Prime Steakhouse on the North Shore of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania for our Steelers Radio Network lunch. Thanks uh, to all the people here for taking care of us. There's some good looking people in here with some some sharp dressed men some nicely dressed ladies in here i tell you what young jacob and i got dressed you, you always look good but jacob and i normally wearing sweatpants and hoodies and stuff that's what i do i mean i'm dressed to the threes <laughs> well, <laughs> if two like is dressed to the nines, I'm a three. Well, you know where I was going with this, Max, was there's some there's some finely dressed people in here uh, at Hyde Park, and the Steelers are going to be well dressed on Sunday. Oh, as it's going to be a color rush game against the Cincinnati Bengals. Ooh, color rush! I listen. Do you know how long I have waited? for the Steelers to have a uniform that looks as good as that uh, color rush change up. We have begged for I remember Joey Porter was literally begging for it my second year in the league. He was like, why can't we get it? Why can't we get our alternate to look like this, like all black with yellow letters? We, we could just switch the, the, pant, the pant style. I was like, oh, my gosh. And he would, and he would try and make these mock-ups. And so to now see them in that, I mean, it's – it's a clean look. I'm not even going to lie to you, man. It is a clean look. I'm excited to see it because it's one of those things where you're jealous that you never got to play in it. That, that that's that's what exactly. that jersey reminds me of. You know, you, you can know, run, they, you can run faster, jump higher, right? The old cable oh, yeah. cats. You know, the old sneakers. But the, but the thing about it is, for for us fat guys, all black like that. Oh, it's magnificent. We so slimming. Slim. It's slimming. It's slimming, oh. my good man. Oh man, and then talk about the. I mean. I got, you know, it's like I wanted that, and I got the Bumblebee uniform. You know what I'm yes, saying? Like, exactly. When you think comparatively. Now, granted, I, I was blessed and fortunate to play through a couple of different uniform styles, but that's the one. If you're talking about one, it would have been that one right there. Um, the black with the gold numbers is just it's, – it's just – it's a fantastic look. Well, um, and a nice change-up. I love that as, a, as an option. And, you know, when you feel sleek like that, you run faster. You know what I mean? It's just some of those things. You know, you're cutting through the wind, aerodynamically sound. The hits are more devastating. They're in high def. (laughs) You know, every little thing that you do just gets – it just magnified. It's like, oh, yeah, look at my stance. Get a picture of this. Carl, get a picture. Get a picture of me stationary in my stance. It looks good. I know it looks good. Because I, I feel I'm good. Tight. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. My, I'm gut, tight. my gut's not hanging over my belt, you know. <laughs> you can't tell because it's all black. You're just like, ah, it's just one one chiseled void right there, you know. Oh. And, uh, yeah. So, no, I, I'm excited about that. That's, that's going to be awesome. I love the color rushes. And that 
That's a good one. Because what, what, the Bengals, what is, what is their color rush, like white or so, something? They look it's weird. It's funny. I, I was just going there, Max. It, it hasn't been confirmed by Cincinnati yet. I, I, I checked their social media channels. I haven't seen anything official yet. But there's a lot of speculation that they're going to wear their all-whites with the white helmet that they added this year as well, too, which was the getup that they wore on Thursday night football back early in the season. I believe they were playing the Dolphins when that happened, but this is the first year that Cincinnati has had all-white uniforms, including the helmet, and the rumors are is that you know the Steelers will be in the all-black, Cincinnati will be in the all-white, and that could be a pretty cool aesthetic out there on Sunday. Now think about this, Max. You know, you remember, uh, you know, what was it, Gruden said, you know, you don't see the white tiger out too often. You know, yeah. Maybe, maybe we're gonna see the albino bangle. You know, I mean, oh, there, there we go. Siegfried wait, and Roy. There we break, go. Breaking news. Uh oh, here we go. One hour ago, the Bengals just announced the return of the all-white bangle, and you can see the uniform there. there you Wolf, go. The all-white. Uh-huh. So it looks like we will have the Steelers in all black with gold trim, oh. and the uh, the Bengals in all white with black trim. That's going to be, like I said, an aesthetically pleasing matchup on Sunday. I like the sounds of that, Max. I mean, I think we got the advantage here because the white makes them look a little puffy, you know, a little poofy. It's it's the anti-slimming, right? Yeah, anti-slimming. Yeah, Yeah. it's the the fluffy. It's the fluffiness that that gets me, you know. White is a more fluffy-looking type of color. Think of DJ Reader, all 350 pounds of them, wearing white. I mean, come on, oh. he's going to feel very, like, out there, like, oh, man, I, 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 it, I look like it, I've gained 20 pounds. He, he might be one of those, you know, like, like when you see the characters on the cartoons, like when the clothes get stripped, they're like, oh, oh, no, uh, from behind the shower curtain. Like, that's, that's what you feel like wearing the all-white, you know, DJ Reader's like, oh, you can see my love handles. Uh, I was <laughs> trying to hide those. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You become really self-conscious. I mean, like I said, it, does, it, it only accentuates and makes you look bigger. Whereas the black does make you look slimmer, so it's, right. it's going to be interesting. And you know what I'm going to do, Wolf? What are you going to do? Buddy? I'm just, I'm, I'm going to for the for the sake of keeping monochromatic stasis going, I'm going to wear gray. Are you going to wear gray? Because uh, I'm okay. A, I'm going to wear gray. I mean, because I'll be in the gray area, right? The sidelines. I'm, you know, I can't <laughs> wear black. Gray. I can't wear white. Go gray. Go gray, Max. <laughs> Go gray. You know, this has always got to be one of those tough times because your dad played for the Bengals. You know, right. you yeah. played for the Steelers. Uh, I played against your yeah. dad. By the way, I gotta find that picture, Dad Gummit. Your dad was closing yeah. the trap so low it was like, wow, he was low. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, and the funny thing is, you know, I do have that kind of soft spot for the Bengals, right? When we're not playing them, but when we're playing them, I, there, there's there, there's no question about it. It's it's all the way Steelers. I mean, I don't even flinch on it. You know, I love my dad's career. And what right. he did, and obviously what that led for myself to have an opportunity to then be drafted to a team and then play literally against my dad's old team. But you know what my dad did? My dad, my dad wore my jersey at every game when he came, nice. and uh, cool. and and I and I would wear his jersey into the stadium when we there were in go. Cincinnati. So to honor my dad, because I knew he was sacrificing wearing that in enemy territory. So I was like, you know what, Dad? Let's just make it. So that was something that was special. But when it comes game day, oh yeah. No, they're the Bungles. They're Cincinnati. They're the they're the, <laughs> land, they're the land of sweet meat, you know, sauce, and uh, it's not chili. Uh, oh yeah, all the negativity and the vitriol comes out when it's Bengals week. You know, the funny thing about it is, Hoopy, when she'd come to a game when Ronnie and I were playing, you know, Steelers, Cardinals, she'd wear 
if it was if she happened to be in Phoenix, she'd wear a, a Phoenix, you know, Cardinals uh, jersey and a Steelers cap. And then if it was in Pittsburgh, she'd nice. wear, turn it all the way around and wear the Steelers jersey and the Cardinals cap. That was her. That. That is a good mom right there. That is a good mom. Well, you know what? No better way to end this show than on talking about Hoopy. That was awesome. So, Hoopy, <laughs> if you're listening, we love you. Thank you. You have two great sons. I'm going to go see the other son in about two hours from now to do my segment with them. Uh, so, Craig, I will let Ron know that you love him, and I will then return it to you as well. But that, that's the show. The bell lap is done. If you've missed any of this episode and you want to hear the people in the background right there, just feel free to download this episode specifically yeah. on Steelers Mobile or iHeart or any other podcast outlet. And also, don't forget our other great lineup of shows that will be coming on today. You got Wes and Motes with the Blitz. You got the Standard with Tom and Jacob. You've got Stan Saverin dropping an epi- a new episode tomorrow. He dropped one yesterday. Steelers Week in Review. Everything's on there. You can find it all. Go to the Steelers Mobile app and iHeartRadio. You've been in the locker room. They're in the steakhouse. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. <laughs> Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.